I need you to do me a favor. If you could, get your Bible out and turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. And I know it's going to sound kind of crazy, what we're about to do, but I just need y'all to trust me. I need you to do me a favor. When you get to Nehemiah 8, look up at me. Nehemiah chapter 8. It's before Psalms. So if you hit that big, giant, long book of Psalms, it's before that. Nehemiah 8, if you would, we're going to read through the first eight verses. And I would love for you guys to stand up with me. Okay, It's going to make sense as we read. But if y'all could stand up for Nehemiah chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. Look on with someone next to you, okay? Look on with the person next to you. Y'all share, share a Bible as we read through it, okay? Nehemiah 8 says this, And all the people gathered as one man, as one body, in the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly. Both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. So all these people are gathered in the courtyard while Ezra has got the book of the law, basically the the scriptures. He's got the scriptures in front of all these people gathered as one unit. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. This is as Ezra is reading. In verse 4, And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform, basically a homemade pulpit, right? Kind of like what I'm seeing on now. And they had, that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood, you ready for this? Mattathiah, I don't know if that's how you say it, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Masiah, and on his right hand, and Padiah, Milshiah, Malchijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Shechariah, Meshelam on his left hand. Yeah, I know what you are thinking. You're, yeah, you just kind of make it up as you go, to be honest. You're just kind of like, we're, gonna, we're just going to go through it quick. They won't know, right? Amen. Verse 5, verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people on a platform, is what he's talking about. And as he opened it, all the people, what? They stood. All the people stood for the reading of God's word. And this is what it says. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen and amen. Y'all got to say it with me. And all the people answered, amen. Perfect. Lifting up their hands. Lift up your hands, y'all with me? Bowing their heads and worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. You have to get on the ground, okay? It's all right. I know y'all were like, oh, I'm about to do that, you know? Okay, you can calm down. You don't have to do that. You're okay. You're right. Verse 7. Verse 7. And Jeshua, Bani, and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebatai, Hodiah, and Masaiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Paliah, the Levites, yeah, I know, it's okay, guys. The Levites, here, check with me, don't miss this. This is so good. The Levites, they helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Amen, amen? amen. Y'all can have a seat. 
basically what has just happened, the people of Israel just finished building the wall. And in the middle of that whole journey, they end up finding an old copy of the law. They have an old text of the scriptures. This is talking about like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that kind of stuff. They find this old text of what has happened in their history. This is the scriptures. They haven't, a lot of these people probably have never even seen the Bible because they've been in captivity or haven't had a temple or worship to go to to hear the law spoken. So many of these people have never heard the Bible. And they find this copy and all of them are gathered in the court square. They're like all like one big unit, like just gathered together all in one body saying, we are ready to hear the word of God. So Ezra gets up. He's got pastors on his left, pastors on his right, preachers, these guys that are helping him deliver the word. Ezra gets up, takes out the word, the law of God, and opens it up. The people stand to their feet. And they're like, I just imagine like a, like this like, anxiousness, this excitement to get the word of God in their heart. I had a pastor once that was teaching on this passage. His name was um, Mike. If anyone's seen the movie, We Are Marshall or heard about that at all? There's an old football movie. That, yeah, one guy has heard of it, all right? There's a, a couple of people. So here's the deal. This movie, there's this team, Marshall, and the people are like so excited. So like half of the stadium out there, like half of the group are outside and half the place is like, we are, and the other side's Marshall. Can y'all say it with me? We are Marshall. We are Marshall. Yeah, you said Bellevue. Okay, thank you very much. Here's the deal. They're like chanting it because they love their team. They're like, we're supporting them. We're behind them. And I imagine this moment of that kind of feel for the people of Israel. They're gathered in the court square, and they're like, bring us the book, you know, like give us the Bible. Like we want nothing more than the scriptures, the law of God. They're pumped. And Ezra, man, that boy gets up, he starts reading. And it literally says, if you read, they were reading the Bible from the morning all the way through midday. Guys, this is like four to six hours of reading the Bible in one setting. All the people gathered together in one spot for the Bible. You're about to see. You're about to see what happens. And tonight, if you're taking notes, I got three things for you. The title of tonight is this. When God's people read God's word, dot, dot, dot. When God's people read God's word, there are three things that happen. Number one, this is so, oh man, I love this passage. Can we pull up verse, I believe it's verse six. Can we pull that verse up real quick? When God's people read God's word, their hands are lifted high. This is the first thing. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, after reading the word, all the people answered, amen, amen. Lifting up their hands. Now listen, we talked about lifting hands up earlier, and in this context right here for them, lifting their hands wasn't to go along with a worship song per se. Their lifting of the hands was a totally different scenario. It is in the same picture of a kid or an infant that lifts their hands towards their father or their mother saying that I need them or I'm, I'm looking for them. I want them. That's the lifting of hands picture that they have here. Are you with me? Don't miss this, guys. I'm telling you, it's so, it's, this is... 
If you, if you miss the rest of the nights of the whole series, this is the one I want you to get. This will change your whole world. If you can get this. When God's people read God's word, there ought to be a spirit of urgency, a great need for seeing what the Lord has to tell them that day. And these people are gathered together with their hands lifted up, not necessarily in worship and singing a song, but they're lifting their hands saying, God, we want you. We need you, God. Like, there's nowhere else we're looking. We just sing a song. There's nothing else. That's their attitude, this urgent dependency. God, rescue us. God, heal our land. Bless us. Pour out your spirit. Would you please meet with us today? That's the attitude of Israel. Uh, to give you an example, it was about seven, eight years. I went on a va- seven, eight years ago, I went on a vacation with my family. My mom and dad, my sister and her husband, and their, I think, two or three kids at that time. I think it was two, two kids at that time. One of them is actually in our ministry. She's not here tonight, but her name is Adeline. Adeline came with us, and uh, she was so tiny back then. But we were at this, like, Florida house with this nice little dock that would overlook the, the ocean. I'll show you a picture. Do we have that picture with us tonight? Right here. See how there's, like, a dock? Now, this isn't a picture of it, okay? This isn't where I was at, so don't think, like, wow, he's so bougie. Okay, that's not it, all right? <laughs> Okay, so here's the deal. There's this dock, and it doesn't have any like rails on the side. It was just like a freestanding dock. And it was about eight feet out of the water. And so every day, every night we'd go out there and we would throw a line in the water. We were catching like all kind of crazy things, like crazy fish never seen before, crabs that looked like they were from the dinosaur age, like kind of crazy things. It was really cool. We were catching all these different items. And it was one night, we were getting ready to go out to eat. It was still kind of sunny out, doing this thing, right, you know, sunset. And I'm outside waiting for my mom and my sister to get done getting ready because they're taking a long time. So I'm out there with Adeline, my little niece. She's young. She's super independent. She thinks she's like the boss. She knows what she's doing. So we're walking on the dock. And I'm like, Adeline, you need to make sure you're walking right here in the middle because there's not any rails. You could fall off into the ocean, Right? So she's walking with me, and she keeps getting closer and closer to the edge. And I'm like, Adeline. So I reach down to grab her hand, and she says, all the time, she would say, no. But this time, she said it. She was like, no. And she pulled off, and I'm not kidding. It was like a movie, like, you know, and she's just like falling. She falls off into the ocean. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm like watching this all happen. And I'm telling you, it's like fears on her face. She is terrified. She hits the water. It wasn't super deep. But it was, it, was, it was the ocean, you know what I mean? Like, you're in the ocean now. And so she falls in, and she's like looking up with her hands like, help me. So I jumped off of the dock, jumped into the water. Yeah, I know, I've, uncle of the year. Yeah, that's me, you know. I grabbed her. I grabbed her Crocs that had fallen off, you know. And I walk over to the pool. I'm like washing her off from all the seaweed and things like that, trying to hook her up. She was, she was crying, but we took care of her. We took care of her. We jumped in and helped her out. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I don't tell you that because I'm trying to brag because I'm a great uncle, but I'm not a bad uncle, okay? That's all I'm saying. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. I tell you that because this. So often, like the people of Israel, we rebel against God. We say no, and we pull away. And what happens, we find ourselves off of the place where the Lord wants to take us. We're in the middle of the junk, And we look up with our hands lifted high saying, we need you, Lord. Like we come to a spot of desperation. Like I can do nothing in this moment. I need a savior. I need help. And this is where we ought to be when we approach the word of God. Shame on me if I walk into the word and don't think, Lord, what do I need and can I gain from you today? 
And I'll tell you this, the Lord delights. Man, the Lord delights in you and longs to rescue you from the needy places you're in. Here's the deal. What I'm saying is Jesus delights. Jesus delights in rescuing his children when they put their hands up like this. There's no hesitation to jump in and save. There's no hesitation to redeem that. There's no hesitation. The Lord sees you in your needs. He longs to help you. I promise you, the Lord is gracious and kind. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He wants to love you. And I know that some of you are in some difficult stuff right now. Like you are just walking through hard things. And I promise when you go to the Word, if you'll just approach it with your hands up like this and say, Lord, I need you, I promise he'll jump in and meet you. Listen to this verse. Romans 5, I think it's 12, is that right? Romans 5, 12, we got this on the screen? I don't know if that's the right verse or not. It's Romans 5, 5, 8, I'm so sorry. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, while we're in our funk, while we're in our junk, he says Christ died for us. That's how much Jesus loves you. That's how much Jesus is willing to jump into the sea with you and to redeem you, to reconcile you, and to meet your needs. Students, man, I promise, whatever battle you're facing, you can find truth, the answers in Scripture. I've never been like, man, I'm dealing with this and God can't solve it. Some of you are doubting me right now. Some of you are like, man, I don't know, man. What about this? What about that? I promise, y'all. I promise the Bible is God's word. And he wants to speak that truth over you and teach you and meet you right where you're at. And so what I'm going to tell you is this. Number one, when God's people read God's word, we ought to approach it with a hands lifted high and an attitude of, I need you, a desperation for I need you. And you watch and see how God meets you where you're at. Second thing is this. Not only are our hands lifted high, but our heads are bowed low. That's what it says in this, pa- in this, in this passage. It says this. All the people answered, amen, amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads. Students, when we approach the word of God, we should never walk into it with a prideful stance. We ought to approach the word of God with humility. Do you know what the word reverence means? Does anyone know what that means? Respect. It means to show extreme respect to someone or something. I'll be honest, I don't know if I can say boldly that our middle school ministry has a reverence towards the Lord or towards the Bible. I'm not throwing shade, I'm just being honest. I, I don't know, I can't boldly say that, that I think our middle school ministry has a reverence towards Scripture, a great respect towards Scripture, and a great respect towards the Lord. Because sometimes I think that we approach the mix and worship here in a very flippant way. Where it's like, oh, whatever, it's just the mix, it's just worship, it's just the preaching of the word, we don't care. And it's not about me, I, could, I don't care, it's not me that's offended. I'm talking about the Lord. I'm gonna be real with you, we all ought to approach the word of God with our heads bowed low. Because we are going face to face with the King of Kings, with the Lord of Lords and the God of all creation. And we know our sin. 
Just like when a light is shining in the darkness and it reveals the hidden things, so also when the Savior comes face to face with a sinner, it reveals our sin. So there's no reason I should walk in to a worship setting or the Word of God with my chest poked out, acting like I'm the big man on campus today, thinking I got it all together. Man, I am humbled before the Lord. I was praying today, Lord, forgive me where I have approached my quiet time in pride. Where I was like, I'll just go through and get my word for the day and then dip out and do my thing. Like, that is so prideful of me. I ought to approach my quiet time saying, Lord, I am desperate for you. I need you to speak to me today. Why would they bow their faces? Why would they bow their head? Can I read some verses for you real quick? Listen, man, I'll show you. Like, in Numbers chapter 20, verse 6, it says this. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent. They're about to go meet with the Lord. And it says this. They fell on their what? And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. They fell on their faces when they were about to go meet with the Lord. Here's another one. Genesis 17, 3. This is when God is affirming a covenant with the Lord. He comes to meet with Abraham. And it says this. Then Abraham fell on his what? And, the God, and God said to him, he would continue to talk to him about what the promise was he was giving him. Luke 5, 12. This is whenever Jesus is walking through the cities. Check it out. Luke 5, 12. Is that right? Yeah. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. That's a disease on the skin. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his what? And begged him, Lord, if you will, can you make me clean? Students, there's this pattern of people falling on their face. I want to ask you straight up, why would they do that? Someone over here, anybody got an answer why they would fall on their face? What do you think, Nick? It was a sign of respect. A sign of respect. That's one. Yes. What else? What do you got back here, Coop? What'd you say? Making sure they know God. Making sure that God knows they love Him, that they respect Him, that they honor Him. Yeah. What about here? What do y'all think? Why would they bow their faces to the ground? Yeah. What you got? Right there. Yeah. They're sad. Probably broken. Mournful. Right? They're, they're going to it in a spot where like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be real with where I'm at. This is a big deal coming before the Lord. I'm going to recognize my sin. I'm not going to walk in their pride for like this. Last one on this side. What do y'all got? Why would they fall on their face? Yeah, man, they were fearful of the Lord. And that's not like a fearful, like, oh, man, the boogeyman. That's not it. It's fearful in the sense of like, man, I'm, I am, like, I'm in awe of God. Like, there's no one, we just think, there's no one worthy of worship other than Jesus alone. Like, like, this is the God of creation that I'm standing face to face with. Guys, we have got to approach the word of God with reverence, with humility, with our heads bowed low. Man, if you approach church with pride or flipping or just kind of arrogant about it, like, I do my thing, don't worry about this, I'm going to be on my phone the whole time, I'm going to talk the whole time, like what you're doing is saying, I'm going to stiff arm the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to be the big man on campus in front of the Lord himself. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't have anyone in my mind that I'm calling out. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying as a ministry, every one of us must approach the Bible in humility. Does that make sense? I think we see it in the people of Israel here. 
If you were to read all through chapter 8, I'll just be real with you guys. These guys are wild. Like, they read the Bible for like four hours straight, and then for another four hours, they literally just sat on the ground, on their, like their heads down, confessing sin before the Lord, saying all the areas they'd missed it and made mistakes in. It says earlier, like later on in chapter 8, it says they got on their faces and were weeping and mourning over what they heard in the scriptures, which is crazy. I can't remember the last time I was reading the Bible and just cried. But these guys heard the word, and it just led them to be broken in their heart. It says that they were fasting. They were doing, like they were obeying the Lord in ways they never obeyed him before when they started reading the Bible. And I think it's because of two things. They approached it with a desperate need for it, with a desire to go to the Lord, to go to the Word of God. But then two, they had a great humility and a reverence to the Lord, and the Lord honored it. The Lord will reject the prideful all day long. But man, he loves and delights in a person who is humble. Last thing I got for you, I don't know, I'm probably late on time, I apologize. Last thing I got for you is this. Not only do believers, when, when God's people read the word of God, should we lift up our hands in desperate need, bow our heads in humility, but the last one is this, we ought to lift up our hearts in worship to the Lord. I'll tell you what worship means. The first time we see kind of worship being done from like a sacrificial standpoint that you see through the whole Old Testament. Because the Old Testament, they would take like lambs and bulls and like, you know, like grain offerings and fruit offerings. They would bring it to the altar and they would give that to the Lord. And that was like their best of the best. In Genesis chapter, I don't know, like four maybe, like Cain and Abel are there. And Cain is one of the brothers too, like Cain and Abel brothers. Cain is one of the brothers. And he says this, he says, I'm gonna give the best to the Lord. He gives it like all the best fruit, all of his stuff and gives it to the Lord. Abel comes over and he gives like these like crumbs. It's a, it's a sacrifice that cost him nothing. And to be honest, was worth nothing to the Lord. Like the Lord doesn't need the bulls or the lambs or the grain offerings or the fruit. Like he doesn't need that. He's God of all creation. If he wants Nikes, he can have them tomorrow. You know, like he didn't need me to give him anything. But when Cain, I mean, when Abel would give his sacrifice the best that he had, that was giving all that he had. That was giving the best. That's why whenever God tells Abraham, you know what the first time the word worship is ever used in the Bible? It's used in Genesis. And it's used when God has called Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac, his, his son. Now y'all are thinking, what do you know sacrifice Isaac? Just bear with me for a second. He tells him, I want you to give up your son on the altar. That's Abraham's one and only son, his favorite. That's like the treasure of his heart is his son Isaac. And God says, I want you to give that up. So Abraham goes to his servant and says, me and my son are going up the mountain to worship, is what he says. I'm going up the mountain to worship. So him and Isaac go up there, and the Lord, as Abraham was about to lay down his son on the altar, the Lord says, stop. I was testing your heart to see if you believed that I had the power to resurrect from the dead, to see if you had the belief to trust that I'm the God of all creation. I'm sorry, I'm going so fast. I'm just trying to tell you guys, the worship is seen in sacrifice. That's why through the Old Testament, every year they would go to the city of Jerusalem. They'd offer sacrifices. Today, we're not offering sacrifice. We're not offering bulls and goats and lambs because Jesus was the final sacrifice to be paid. But Romans 12, chapter 1 says this. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's saying that your presenting of your bodies as a living sacrifice is your spiritual worship today. So when it says that the people of God were offering themselves, saying that we are worshiping the Lord with our hearts, what I'm saying is they're giving themselves over to the Lord. They're giving them their desires, their, their hearts, their hands, what they're doing, their lives are being given to them. And what's unique about this picture of the living sacrifice that we are, that we're a living sacrifice to the Lord, is this. When you would take a, a lamb to Jerusalem to go sacrifice it for worship to the Lord, what this was is this. The animals had no idea what was happening. It's not they're like, hey, billy goat, like, we're going to Jerusalem today. And the billy goat's like, cool, you know, it's just rock and roll. Like, he has no idea what's happening, right? But let me, t- let me turn around for you. You are a person. Like, you know what it means to follow Jesus. So to say that you're a living sacrifice is saying this, I know the cost. I know what it means to follow Jesus. I know the challenges that it takes with the world around me. I know what it means to give my all to Jesus, but yet I choose to lay myself on the spiritual altar for the Lord and say, I'm giving you my whole life. That is where Israel got to as they said, Lord, we are desperate for you. Our heads are bowed low, our hands are lifted high because we want the Lord. And therefore, we're gonna lift up ourselves right now as a living sacrifice to the Lord. We are yours. This worship is a worship from their whole self. They're giving themselves to the Lord. I'm going to be real with you. I don't know if we as a middle school ministry are reading the Bible like this. Are we reading the Bible like this? Do we approach the word with humility, with reverence? Do we go to it with the thought that like my needs are going to be met when Jesus shows up? And do we leave there saying, man, here's all I got. I can't bring you lambs and sheep and billy. I can't bring you that, but I can bring you Corey O'Hara. I'm going to give you my best, my whole life. My future is yours. That's how you ought to approach the word of God. When, we, when you sit in your room for quiet time, that's how you should approach it. When you approach the mix, that's how you should approach worship and the word of God. When you go to Brother Steve's sermon, you ought to approach the word of God like that. I know this is heavy, but I'm telling you, if you can start living like this, if you start reading the Bible like this right here, you will experience God's presence, his anointing, and his blessing in your life like you've never seen. I promise. Isn't that what y'all want? I'm sorry. I feel like I've just like dropped a bomb on you guys, and I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm just telling y'all, I love you guys, and I want y'all to thrive. I look at the summer, man. Y'all have got a whole summer ahead of you where you're not doing all this schoolwork. Maybe some of y'all are. I'm not knocking, but you're not doing all this schoolwork. You got a lot of free time. You have opportunities right now to say, I'm going to invest my time. I'm going to give the Lord my time to spend time in the Word of God. And this is the attitude I'm going to take every time I walk into it.
That's my challenge to you guys.